0: Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. But if you were here last week, I told you guys that we were starting a brand new series that's going to be in your grill a little bit, okay? It's going to share some truth, and it's going to be some hard truths, but through that truth, we're going to see freedom and deliverance in our life. And so it's worth it, right? So the title of this series is Flipping Tables flipping tables. We're actually going to flip some tables today. It's going to be really fun. We're not. It's okay. Maybe next week we might do that. But the vision behind this series is to teach you that Jesus did not come to make your life comfortable. Jesus actually came to take you out of your comfort because the truth is, listen, your comfort can become an enemy to your faith. Let's be honest. Your comfort can become an enemy to your faith. You look at your life, I'm good, right? I got everything I need. I like living in luxury, or I like having this right now. I like the position that I'm at. I like the people because they like me right now. So, Lord, why do you want me to talk about the gospel? Why do you want me to talk about Jesus? I'm just going to offend other people. Why would we do something like that when we're comfortable? Because that's what Jesus came to teach us to do. And I want to show you today that Jesus used some very strong words When he preached to the people, no matter how big the crowd was, he was not intimidated by that. But he showed the authority of God and the truth of God's word, and it always set people free, but at the same time, it offended a lot of people, made a lot of people mad and, and run away. So I want you to hear these strong words Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. Jesus said, Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. But that doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. Let's be honest with each other. That's not the Jesus I know, the the cozy Jesus with the hair flowing Jesus from the pictures that we see today, right? We're talking about peace. And and didn't Jesus come to bring us peace? Didn't Jesus say that he would give us peace in our life, for example, for example? John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. That's the Jesus I like. So why would Jesus say the opposite, or it seems like the opposite? Do they go against each other? No. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want to make it very clear. Jesus is saying, listen, I came not to bring you peace with this world. But I did come to bring you peace with the Father. I came not to bring peace between you and this world because this world is going to hate you for following me. You're going to look different from this world. You're going to be set apart. You're going to be made holy, right? You're going to be different. You're going to live for the Lord while the rest of the world is living in darkness. But Jesus came to make us right with the Father. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by what? By faith, by believing in Jesus, we have been made right. And because of that, we now have peace with God over our eternal salvation. Because before this, before Jesus showed up, when you look in the Old Testament, there were a lot of rules and regulations just to get into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. You had to be a priest and it had to be at certain times in certain ways. Otherwise, you come into the presence of God the wrong way. Guess what? You die because the presence of the Father is so strong. You do it wrong, you die. That's how powerful he is. So Jesus came, and when he was crucified upon the cross, he ripped the veil in two, meaning now we can go directly to the Father, meaning now you can pray about everything that you are concerned about. The worries and the anxieties and the stress and the things that you're dealing with. God, I, I want to love people, but I don't like this person. Please help me. Or God, I want to be happy today, but I don't want to go to work. God, I, I want to be in a good mood today, and I want to share your gospel. But to be honest with you, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I don't even have the words. Can you speak through me today? You were called to be a light in the darkness. But because of that, the world is going to hate you. The world will not make peace with you because you're not living for this world. John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus said, listen, if the world hates you, rejoice. Why? Because remember that it hated me first. The world turned against me, so you better believe you're doing the right thing when everybody starts to talk about you, when everybody starts to persecute you now and they start talking about who you used to be because you've changed so much, they can only bring out your past. That was good. Y'all need to write that down right? You've changed so much. They can only bring out your past. But what Jesus was saying, listen, this also means that there's going to be problems maybe in your household because you're following me. A father may turn against his own daughter because his daughter believes in the Bible. It's happened. There's been so many people that have come into this room asking God for healing, praying for their parents because their parents do not believe in Jesus. And they make fun of them every time they go home. Can you imagine? So many of us have been privileged in a way that we grew up in Christian homes, and so a lot of us are used to our parents encouraging us to pray, but imagine growing up in a home where everybody mocks you, even your own parents, for believing in Jesus. But Jesus was saying, listen, a father will be cruel to his daughter. Friends are going to turn on you, by the way. They're going to say that you're not who you used to be. You're not fun anymore. You don't want to go out. You don't want to do the things that you used to do, so you've, you've changed a lot. Thank God I've changed Because it looks fun on the outside, but so many of us were miserable in that past life, right? We were just following everybody else, but on the inside, we were dying. Nothing was fulfilling us, and now you're not living in sin. Why? Because you're free by the blood of Jesus. But your friends may not understand that, and they're going to live a completely different life from the life that you're living right now. That's okay. Love them from a distance. Love them from a distance and tell them, listen, I got to go this direction because I'm following the Lord, but I know you'll be that way too. You just show them an example because sometimes we get frustrated and we start to condemn them. And we say, well, you need to get your life right. No, 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 you don't have to say it. Just let God do it and live for the Lord. And they're gonna see that example and then they're going to want that example because they're gonna see that you have peace when they're frustrated with everything going on in the world today. But not only that, but you may experience family hatred, even persecution and division. Your family may be split up because of your relationship with the Lord and even in extreme cases. You may lose your life to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, listen, I come not to bring you peace with this world because this world is cursed. It's full of sin. They don't know the love, but you know the love of the Father because now you have peace with the Father because of me. This world is covered in darkness. What I love is, is this, that Jesus came to expose the darkness with the light. Everywhere he went, he exposed the demonic powers of the enemy. He exposed hypocrisy. He exposed the religious leaders and their actual hearts because from the outside, they looked like they had it all together. They looked like they were perfect, but Jesus called them out many times because their hearts were far from the Lord. Jesus always exposes the darkness with the light. John chapter one, verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Because the darkness has no power over the light. That's what Jesus is saying. So I'm telling you this for you to understand that Jesus did not come to make your life cozy. Okay. But instead he challenged the culture. He challenged people. He always spoke the truth and the light of God's word, even when there were large crowds. So I want you to imagine this. You're in the days of Jesus. You hear that he's coming near you. And so you start talking to your friends. Okay, let's go hear Jesus preach today. Oh, this is going to be fun. I've heard that he's awesome. I mean, I heard his voice is so calming and and soothing, and he has these eyes, and he's got this waving hair, and and everything's going to be good. I cannot wait to be there. Jesus shows up. All right, what's he going to say? I can't wait to write this down. First note, Matthew chapter 18, verse 8, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. I mean, think about it. Like, I'm out of here before they start passing around the knife, okay? I don't know what this is. What kind of cult this is, I'm going to leave. But Jesus was always speaking in such ways that challenged people's faith because he wanted to weed out the fake followers. We're in a culture today where it's all about who follows us and who we follow, right? But so many people will turn on you the moment you start walking towards Jesus. And what you'll notice is the people that said they would always be in your corner start to walk away. But here's what the Lord has taught me in the seasons of ministry and seeing people walk away, the Lord's promise still stands, and he's always with me. He's always with me, no matter how many people lose sight of the vision in the end or walk away from the presence of God because of the trials, because of the things that they experience, because of things they don't like, because it's not as cozy as they thought it would be within ministry. Listen, it doesn't matter. God has never left me, and God will never leave you. Keep walking by the promise because that's what he has for you. Come on. But Jesus was always exposing these things. And so I want you to also imagine, like, what if you were a disciple of Christ? There are many times that Jesus had very large crowds to come hear him teach. In fact, one of the largest crowds that Jesus had was when he multiplied the bread and the fish, and they believed that he had around twenty to 30,000 people show up. Twenty to 30,000 people came to listen to the teachings of Jesus. And that's why the disciples were looking at Jesus crazy like, Jesus, you think we could feed all these people? There's no way. We don't have it in the church budget, right? There ain't no way we can do something like this. But Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish. He provided in a crazy, supernatural way. Guess what? That's what it'll do for you. There are times that you look at your situation, your environment, and what you're going through, and you're saying, God, there's no way. I can't do all of this. But you give yourself over to the Lord. He will always multiply the blessings. He always multiplies. Because it impacts the kingdom of God and he takes care of his people. Remember, we talked about it last week. Give us today our daily bread, meaning every single day you should depend on the Lord to provide. And he's a good father. But twenty to 30,000 people showed up to hear Jesus' teachings. And we know this because there were at least 5,000 men in the crowd. John chapter 6, verse 10. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes and the men alone numbered about 5,000. So I was thinking, in today's time, the disciples would have said something like this. Oh, Jesus, there's a lot of people showing up. We should have at least three to four services, right? We should get some more campuses. We got some more followers coming in, right? This is exciting because that's how they felt. Wow, my voice got really high. That's how they felt. (laughs) Lord, be with me. I got into that one. Sorry. It's my birthday. You can't make fun of me. Anyway. But that's how they felt. They were excited to see all these new followers coming into what Jesus was doing. And so soon after that, Jesus had a confrontation with some religious Jews and he said something that offended a lot of people. John chapter six, verse 53. So Jesus said, again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood... You cannot have eternal life within you. And I'm sure as a disciple, you would be like, all right, Jesus, we're getting weird now. (laughs) Like you're scaring people, and he did. He offended them. In fact, there were many rumors about the early church in the beginning that they were cannibals because of what Jesus said about communion, which we know was uh, signifying his body going to the cross, dying for our sins, his blood being shed for us. But that's all they heard. So they started saying, all right, these believers... These people that believe in the way, well, they eat each other, okay? So I don't want to be a part of that. But Jesus was not only offending the religious leaders, he offended the people that just started following him. I want you to see this. John chapter 6, verse 61 through 64, Jesus was aware that his own disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? I mean, can you imagine Jesus standing in front of you? And Jesus is saying, did what I say, did it offend you? Do you not like the truth? We do that with God many times. God says this relationship, not for you. I'm offended. I like it. It's not healthy. Or God says maybe right now is not the the time for that position. But God, I want it right now. I'm offended. I have the ability. Yeah, but you're not mature enough for the position. There are times that the Lord speaks and it may offend, but it's always the truth. The Lord always speaks the truth. And then he said to them, well, what do you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? For the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You are looking with physical eyes. But if you truly knew me and followed me, you would see with spiritual eyes. And your heart would be open to what I'm saying. But because you don't, he said this. Some of you do not believe me. I mean, he just added to the followers. He just added to it. And he's already telling them, listen, you don't believe me. Verse 66 and 67, what happened? At this point, many of his disciples turned away. They laughed. They didn't like what Jesus had to say and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave me? And of course, we know today that the 12 stayed. And again, we know what communion represents, his body on the cross, his blood being shed for us. But I'm, I'm showing you all these things to prove again that Jesus did not come to make your life cozy. When I see Jesus, I see somebody that would flip tables when needed. Jesus will come to disrupt your comfort if it's making you feel stuck in the sin that is in your life. Because the truth is, we can also become comfortable with the sin. I'm comfortable with this area of my life, that's just who I am. You ever heard that before? That's just how I talk. This is who I am. This is where I come from. No, you need to be set free by Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're born again. The old you is dead. The old you is gone. You have been raised through Jesus Christ to be a new creation, somebody different, somebody who is free. But Jesus has to flip tables at times to get our attention. But also, he came, listen, because I see it over and over again everywhere that he went, he also came to confront the demons that want to keep you comfortable in your sin. Look in the scriptures. Everywhere Jesus showed up, yes, he performed miracles. Yes, he performed healings, but he also cast out a lot of demons. And they had never seen that before. So the title of today's message is this, Overcoming Demons. Overcoming Demons. And by me saying that title, some of you are already looking at me like, oh, what day did I come on? I don't know if I want to hear this message, but I promise you, this is going to strengthen your faith. And I want to show you today the authority of God How you can be set free from some of the things, listen, that have tormented you for over 20 years, 30 years, that have been in your life and held you back from the promises of God. You can't be free today because of Jesus, all right? And I'm going to show you three points as well. And we're going to look today at one of the most interesting stories of deliverance. So let's go ahead and dive in. Point number one, you can become comfortable with your demons, Again, you can become comfortable with your demons, with the sin that is in your life, the things that you deal with, or the dysfunction that you face every single day. So let's read this story together. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. This is a story of deliverance. Mark chapter 1, 21 through 25. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. Now, we say Capernaum in English, but in Hebrew, it's actually Kephar Nahum. And what it means is is this. It means the village of the comforter. And did you know that Jesus did most of his miracles in Capernaum? Most of the people there saw his miracles. I've been to Capernaum. Not only that, but it was a fishing village. It was uh, a lot of people, there were comfortable. They lived in luxury. They had a lot of wealth because of the businesses that would come in and out. Guess what? Peter's house was there too, which means Peter wasn't poor. And a lot of us have believed that as well, that the disciples came from poverty or all these things. No, he was a fisherman. He owned his own business. He was a very successful man, and he walked away from all that to follow Jesus, by the way. That's amazing. But I've been to Capernaum, and again, they were very comfortable, but Jesus performed miracle after miracle after miracle here, showing the people his power and authority. Guess what? They didn't care. In fact, Jesus cursed the village of Capernaum because they were so comfortable with the luxury that was in their life. They did not care to follow Jesus even though they saw many miracles of him. So because of that, he cursed the village. And today that village is in ruins. There's barely anything left of it. You can go visit it. It actually says the home of Jesus because he performed so many miracles there, yet he cursed it because they became comfortable with what they had. They did not think that they needed God. And again, that's why God tells us to, to pray and say, give us today our daily bread, okay? But he went into this town, this village, and the Sabbath day came, and he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught, listen, with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue. Will you underline that? Where's the man? The man is in the synagogue, Guess what? He's also possessed. Think about that for a second. He's in the church service. He's possessed by an evil spirit, and he cries out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I want you to see this, because out of the Bible, every time demons are confronted by Jesus, they like to use the pronouns we and us. A lot like our culture today, changing our pronouns and our identity to be more like the demonic culture that we see out of the Bible. Why did they see we in us? Because there were many demons possessing or controlling a person. There was a moment where Jesus encountered a man that was uh, possessed by a legion of demons. You know how many that is? Five to 6,000 demons lived inside of that man. That's why every time they saw Jesus, they shrieked and said, what do you have to do with us? They knew who he was, and they knew that he had the authority to send them into the pit into the abyss. And that's exactly what's happening here in the synagogue. And they said to Jesus, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, holy one of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet. And I love what he said, just come out of the man. That's all he had to say. He said, be quiet. Don't talk. Come out of the man right now, like a parent to their child. It's time to leave You've caused way too much dysfunction in this man and this synagogue today. But as I read the story, the reason why it's so interesting to me is because I can't get over the fact that this man was in the synagogue. And a lot of people believe that possibly this man came to the synagogue every week. Maybe he came every month. Maybe he had friends there that he saw all the time and talked to. Maybe he had a chair and a seat that he always sat at. That was his place. This man seemed to be very comfortable in the synagogue until the real presence of Jesus showed up. And then he started to squirm and started to change his tone a little bit. And the demons that were inside of him started to manifest at this moment and speak out to the Lord. Listen, here's the warning that we all need to hear from this story. The demons were comfortable in the synagogue because this man became comfortable with his demons. The demons were comfortable in the synagogue because this man became comfortable with his own demons. What do you mean by that, pastor? Again, we become comfortable with our sin, certain areas of our life because it feels good in the moment. And I need you to understand, yes, we have a battle with our flesh, but those demons also know what we battle. And so you see throughout Scripture what's called familiar spirits, and the reason why they're called familiar spirits is because they're familiar with the things that you're tempted with. Have you ever noticed when you start following God and you start to be set free to live for Him, all of a sudden those people that you haven't heard from in years start calling you up? Hey, what are you doing? Like, I don't need this right now. (laughs) I don't need this temptation right now. I'm, I'm still using like the old phone. I don't know. iPhone, whatever. Anyway, But I don't need this right now. And you notice that things start popping up in your life. Why? To bring you back in bondage because demons will pretend to be your friend. They'll pretend to speak to you and put thoughts in your head because Paul also said the war is over your what? Your mind, how you think is how you live. Your perspective can change everything. And so if you start to believe, okay, you can be content in the sin in your life, guess what? Demons never get evicted. That's what we see here. This man in the synagogue the demons were not evicted until Jesus showed up. They will pretend to be your friend. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Paul said, I'm not surprised for even Satan disguises himself as a what? As an angel of light. He will pretend to give you hope, but it is false hope. So it makes me wonder. And here's the burden that came on my heart as I read this and really started to study. In the American church today How many demons are comfortable sitting in our services? Let's be honest. In the American church today, how many demons come every single Sunday sitting in our services laughing because there's no power or authority to set that person free? There's no repentance. There's no change. There's no power of God. There's no presence of Jesus. There's no presence of the Holy Spirit. It becomes a show. What I like, what I don't like. I like the coffee. I don't like the carpet. And you just... Go in and out of the church. And that's it. That's all. And I realized for most of our lives, and guess what? That was me too for a very long time. I was just going through the motions. I really didn't care. I was just here because I thought I had to be here, right? I was in church because I thought I had to be in church. And so there were things in my life that held me in bondage that took me coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus for those things to be set free. But we don't like, to be uncomfortable. Let's be honest. We don't like to walk down to the altar. We don't like to be honest and say, hey, I need prayer today because somebody left me. Or I'm really hurt in my heart or I'm really struggling at school or I'm really contemplating suicide right now because of the depression that is in my life. We just come in here with a fake smile with the demons we had and we leave right back with them. Because we're going through the motions. No risk at all, just comfort. I'm here to tell you today it is fake comfort. It's not real comfort for your life, it is counterfeit comfort. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine, reveals this about the end days. This man, talking about the Antichrist, will come. He will do the work of Satan with what? With counterfeit power. Meaning fake signs and miracles. The enemy does not have the power, the same power that God has. He fakes it. He pretends. He pretends he's just as powerful, but he's nothing. For Jesus said, I watched him fall like lightning from the kingdom of heaven. So all he can do is mimic what is of God and pervert it. Okay, so he comes with fake signs and miracles. And then we use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth. Notice right here, this verse, the enemy doesn't make them refuse. They choose to refuse. Why? Because they're offended by the truth, by the light that would set them free because it looks different from the world and the culture that they live in, and it sounds different from what everybody else is saying. They refuse to love and accept the truth. That would save them demonic spirits bring counterfeit comfort into your life, short pleasures of sin. Let me just show you a couple examples or talk about a couple examples. The first one can be sexual indulgence. In the culture we live in today, let's be honest, everything you see on TV, the commercials, everything that just pops up in your face is sexual temptation every single day. You open your eyelids every day and you hear voices in your head saying, you don't need love. You just need a night of passion, right? I mean, that way nobody can break your heart and you can just go ahead and go this way. Who cares if you're lonely? This will make you feel better right now. Go ahead and pursue what everybody else does. So you must be different if you don't think this way. Something must be wrong with you. And what happens? You think that your heart won't be broken, but it's shattered. Your soul becomes broken. Mentally, your identity becomes lost. Because you become attached to somebody who wants no part of you. Because that's what the enemy will do. He will lie and give you counterfeit comfort in the moment. What about a high? Getting high. Drunkenness, right? Because I I see a lot of people come into the church and just say, you know what, pastor? I love the Lord, but I can't deal with the pain that I feel. I seriously can't deal with the heartache that I'm going through, the anxiety that I feel. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me in my past. And there's just something inside of me that's hard and I don't want to release it. And so at least when I go to the substance, I can numb it in the moment. I feel better in the moment. I start to forget about it, yeah? How many mistakes have you made though when you were under that substance? How many things did you say that now you regret because you were under the influence of something else? something that was spiritual. I want to show you something that gave me a revelation a long, long time ago. I remember when God showed me this. Look at Galatians chapter five, verse 19 and 20. Galatians five nineteen and 20. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, and so on. But I want you to notice this today, the word sorcery. And the word sorcery in the Greek is actually the word pharmakia, which is where we get our English word pharmacy. Because in this context, what it's referring to are drugs, poison, harmful drugs, Because what they would do in the ancient days, and they still do today, in pagan worship, they would go through rituals they didn't want to go through. They would sleep with people they didn't want to sleep with. Even some would sacrifice their own children. And so to be able to do such a horrible thing in their life, they would get a high. They would become so intoxicated they didn't know what they were doing anymore because they were under the influence. And their character was no longer their character. They took the character of something that was demonic. In other words, they would get a high to open up the doors to communicate with demons, to not feel bad about the things that they were doing. No surprise in our culture today, that's all we see. This is fun, right? Until you lose everything. Until this becomes an addiction that you can't get away from because you can't even believe that you can have fun without it or that you can cope without it. Some of us become so good at pretending like we're sober, like we don't have it in our life. Nobody would know and you hide it. But on the inside, I'm telling you today, Jesus knows. You can't hide it from God. And He knows the hurt and the pain that is inside of your heart today, and He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from these things. But we're looking for comfort. So, my question is this though where does real comfort come from? It doesn't come from this world, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And we see this out of John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus said to his disciples before he went back into the kingdom of heaven, he said, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit and he will live inside of you to bring you comfort. Now you may be saying, but pastor, I thought you just said Jesus came to disrupt our comfort, yeah, in this world. But the Holy Spirit will give you comfort to make it through every trial, every bit of persecution. Even when your family disowns you because you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will say, guess what, I'm here. I'll hold your hand through it. I know this person left you, and I know that hurts, and I know that stings, and you never thought they would leave you, but the devil's got them right now. But guess what, you keep praying for them. Because Jesus met you exactly where you are. Guess what? Jesus can meet them, too, exactly where they are. You don't give up hope on that. You keep praying. Keep praying for your family members. Keep praying for your children. Keep praying for them. But you got to follow God, and so Jesus will give you comfort. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God living inside of you, to get you through every trial. And people will look at you like you're crazy. Why are you smiling? Everything's going wrong in your life because i got a peace from God. And he already told me what's going to happen in the end. So I don't care what happens today because I already know the victory is in the end because of Jesus. So again, the Holy Spirit brings true comfort into your lives to get you through trials, not to stay away from them. But this also leads to my second point, which is this. Open wounds can create open doors. Open wounds can create open doors. And so when we talk about this topic, many, many Christians have this question. Here's the question. Can a Christian become possessed? Possessed. Because that's our fear, right? When we start talking about this, I don't like to talk about this because I don't like to talk about possession. Can Christians become possessed? I'm about to show you in scripture, okay? But the short answer is no, but you can be influenced. You cannot be owned, but you can be influenced. And I I believe a great example of this is the difference between Peter and Judas. Peter had a relationship with Jesus. Peter loved Jesus, but Judas did not have a relationship with Jesus. Judas loved what? He loved money. He worshiped money. Jesus made it very clear. You want to serve two masters? You can't. You're going to love one. You're going to hate the other. Meaning that's exactly what Judas did. He started to pursue this worship of money. So therefore he betrayed Jesus. And so we see in this life that Peter loving Jesus and wanting to do the right things was still influenced by Satan in a moment when Jesus said, Listen, I must go to the cross to be crucified for your sins. This is what happened. Mark chapter 8, verse 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter, Get away from me, Satan. I always joke about this because I'm sure Peter was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. I'm just trying to protect you. But he said, You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. When you pray, pray the will of the Father over your own will. Because bitterness of not getting your way in the moment can sometimes lead you away from the Lord and be influenced by the enemy. Because Peter didn't like the words of Jesus. He didn't like that Jesus had to go to the cross, but he had to go to the cross. That was part of the gospel plan for us to be saved today. But Judas, on the other hand, what happened to him? When he betrayed Jesus, the scripture tells us that Satan actually entered into Judas's body. Luke chapter 22, verse 3. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot who was one of the 12 disciples. And I want to make this clear. Judas opened that door again because he worshiped money, not Jesus. So let me break this down as simple as possible because we don't like this phrase, demon-possessed. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to bring that up. But I want to show you what it actually means in Greek, okay? The word possession in Greek is the word zomai, zomai, okay? It does not mean ownership meaning it doesn't mean that the devil owns you, that demons own you, okay? But what it does mean is this. It means to gain control over. So even as a Bible-believing Christian who is saved, there may be areas in your life that demons won't control over, to influence in your life. And again, this is the reason you have struggled maybe with this addiction or this area of your life for the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, how long has it been for this one thing in your life that nobody knows about that you keep running to the Lord, set me free, set me free, set me free, but it just feels like you can't be set free. And you start to believe the lie that the enemy owns you in this area, but he does not own you, God owns you. God has set you free, but these demons won't control. And and I've seen it, listen, I get it. I've I've seen it on both sides, both extremes. I've seen some Christians say everything is a demon. Like, my, my, my washing machine broke. That's a demon. Like, my house fell apart today. Things happened, and that's a demon. And now I failed my test today. That's a demon. No, you didn't study, okay? Let's be honest. You didn't study at all. That's why you failed the test. But at the same time, I've seen Christians say, well, it's, it's not a demon. I don't know if I believe in that stuff. Listen, it's real. It is very real. This is the spiritual battle that you face. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I didn't write that, God did. So God is trying to open up, open up your eyes to see the spiritual warfare that is ahead of you. We fight real demons, but also we fight our flesh. Our flesh craves sin. So demons know that, and they'll bring temptation into our life. But again, you're not owned. By the enemy, you are owned by God. But I realize when it comes to this, listen, when we, when we see like full possession out of the Bible, you have to understand that these, these people really opened up some doors, okay? And, and usually they were involved in witchcraft and they worshiped in this way and the pagan worshiped and these idols. So they allowed themselves to become so um, controlled by these demons that were in their life, like the man with the legion of demons. But at the same time, I do wanna say this, be careful because there can be open wounds in your life that you haven't allowed God to heal. And that can also be an open door for the enemy to attack. Let me just give you uh, an example through a story. When I did evangelism, there was a woman that came into our ministry, and she was very real and open. She came up to me and my wife, and she said, listen, I'm struggling with demonic oppression. And she was scared to tell us because she didn't know what, we would thought, what we'd think about her. I think when we bring this up, sometimes we think, well, that's only for the weird people, Okay. She wasn't weird at all. She was completely normal. She was an amazing woman, and she was in tears telling us her story, how she would go home. And she didn't want to go home because the home felt just chaotic and dysfunctional. Her family was atheist, abusive. A lot of things were going on in the home. There were things in the home that just full of darkness. Every time she was there, she felt darkness. And it got to a point in her life where she started to see things manifest, and she started to feel things and hear things. And I also want you to know she was not a believer yet in Jesus. Here's something crazy though. I do remember her telling me that she said that the demons would lie to her and tell her Jesus isn't real. And that blew my mind. You're telling me that the demons are trying to convince you that Jesus isn't real, but yet you're seeing demons in the fight that we have today. And so we prayed over her and we really helped her through that. And I remember one night we were all together within the ministry and one of my pastor friends came up to me and said, listen, um, I just noticed tonight she's, she has not said the name of Jesus, and I don't feel like she can. And so I said, all right, let's, let's pray over her. And I went up to her and said, hey, look, it's been a little while. Let's, I just want to pray over you, just see how you're doing and how everything is. She said, okay. Started to pray over her, and immediately she told us she felt anger, and she felt rage, like immediately. And then I'll never forget what she said next. She pointed at me, and she said, it does not like you i going me be honest, <laughs> like me, just me, I would have been like, all right, I'm out of here. Good time, guys. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Right. But when I tell you the, the, the power and the authority of Jesus was so strong because we see that out of the Bible, every time Jesus shows up, the demons feared the Lord. Jesus would shut them up, right? Jesus would cast them out. The presence of God was so strong. And I will never forget this because as soon as she said that to me, it's like I felt the presence of the Lord speak through me. That's because I'm covered in the blood of Christ. Immediately, that's what I said. And we started to pray over her. And we had authority over this demonic oppression in her life. With that being said, though, it took time for her to be healed and set free. Why? We had authority over the enemy, over the demons that were in her life. But why did it take time for her to be healed? Because there was an open wound. And she was sexually abused in her family. She had a lot of hurt, a lot of rage, a lot of anger. And she felt alone. And that's what was holding her back from truly running to Jesus. But the moment she did, freedom came into her life. And the last I saw her, she had a beautiful family and a child, and she was completely set free because of Jesus Christ. And I get it. Some of us hear this and we're like, "Whoa, that's, that's heavy, that's different. But we see this throughout the Bible, that when Jesus shows up, things become uncomfortable, Right? And so I just want to make it very clear again, this this sermon is not about demons or fear. This sermon is about the power of God that can set you free from bondage. And so this leads into my last point. And this is the good news. Demons come out when confronted by Jesus. Demons come out when confronted by Jesus. Here's what happened in Mark chapter 1, 24 through 27. Let's continue the story. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You have come to destroy us, or have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet, come out of the man he ordered. And that evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and they came out of him. That's uncomfortable. What would you do? Would you say, I don't wanna be here anymore? I'm never coming back. That was weird, that was different. Jesus did that. That was Jesus showing people true bondage, spiritual bondage that we don't always see that's in our lives. And so this demon tried to put up a fight, but the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion that came out. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. And again, let me say it like this. In the Bible, when Jesus shows up, demons have to shut up. Let me say that again. When Jesus shows up, demons have to shut up. Mark chapter one, verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Be quiet, he said. And there's times in your life where the enemy will try to whisper in your head, attack your mind on your thoughts, your beliefs, and put doubt in your mind. And you can tell the enemy to leave. These demons have to shut their mouth in the name of Jesus. And I started to think about this story and I wonder, well, I've heard this before and it was really interesting to me. Ask the question, did Jesus have to yell it? Like, did he yell, come out, really loud in front of everybody and make a scene? I don't believe he did. Because true power can also come through a whisper, right? Because Jesus knew that the people could not know who he was yet, not fully. That's why he told the demons to be quiet. And so I wonder if he whispered, be quiet. You ever been in trouble with your parents? <laughs> and there were times where they would whoop you or, or take you by the ear or whatever and you knew you were gonna be okay. But the moment they whispered to you, like wait till we get home. You knew you were going to die, okay? <laughs> Jesus had come out. It wasn't comfortable, but it brought freedom. And so in your life right now, there's sin in your life that will not come out unless it is confronted by the authority of Jesus Christ. So what are you holding on to? What are you embarrassed about? What holds you back? What makes you ashamed? What do you keep running back to that's sin in your life? And the scripture describes it like this, like a dog going to eat vomit, because that's what it's like in the spiritual world around us. Jesus said, come out. And I, I gotta be honest with you because when I, when I started this sermon, I thought, all right, flipping tables. I'm gonna start at Matthew chapter 21, which is where Jesus flipped tables. But God led me to all this first to show me a revelation in, in Matthew chapter 21 because what I'm telling you is that we can become comfortable with the chaos and dysfunction around us. We can become comfortable with our sin. We can become comfortable with the demons that want to control us and tear us down. This dysfunction disrupts your worship every time you come into the house of the Lord. Do you understand that? It pulls you back and it says in your mind, you're never gonna be good enough or freed from the things in your life, but it holds you back. And so now I wanna show you this in Matthew chapter 21. Here's a revelation I got, verse 12 and 13. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The sellers were robbing the people outside of the temple. And a lot of us know that part of the story. To buy a pair of doves, it was around 20 times more expensive than buying doves somewhere else. That's why they were robbing them. That's why Jesus was upset. And so we look at the scripture and we say, yeah, I get it. I I see why Jesus was upset with them, but can I give you a revelation too? Jesus was also upset with the buyers, with those who were buying the product. Again, the scripture says, Jesus began to drive out the people who were buying and selling because the buyers were also guilty with becoming comfortable with the thieves that were around them. Jesus said this will become a house of prayer because the Gentiles could not go into the temple. So they would come on the outside of the temple to pray. But guess what? They couldn't pray because of the auctioning that was taking place because of the selling and the buying and all these things and how loud it was and all these things that were taking place. They could not pray. It was too loud. It was too distracting. All these things were happening. And Jesus said, listen, this is to be a house of prayer. People have truly come to pray to God and be in the presence of God. But you come here knowing you have come here for repentance, but you don't really care. You see what they're selling. It's 20 times the price, but you're so lazy in your repentance. You would show up last minute, buy the product, go in there and do what you do and leave and not care about the thieves that are at the house of God. The buyers were just as guilty as the sellers. And when God gave me that revelation, that's something I'll be honest, I've never never heard before. And the Lord spoke to me and said, don't become comfortable with demonic thieves trying to rob you of the blessings that I have for you. They lie. They come to steal come to kill they come to kill your hope and your faith what god is doing they tell you that your circumstances are bigger than the god you serve they tell you that there's no way you can get freedom but you can get free today by the blood of jesus because here's something that i know every time we see jesus confront the demons satan could not hold back the people from being set free every single time he cannot hold them back from running to jesus and being set free 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, But you belong to God, my dear friends, or my children. For you have already won victory over those people, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in this world. Do you believe it? Do you believe you can be delivered? Do you believe that the anger you feel can be healed? an area of your life that holds you back? Do you believe that Jesus can break the bondage and the chains today? I'm gonna have you stand up right here. In the name of Jesus, we're gonna do something a little bit different today. We're gonna pray for freedom. And so right now in your life, I want you to think, maybe there's a demonic influence and you don't even know it's demonic. It keeps coming into your life over and over again. It's not of God, it's demonic. Or maybe there's something in your flesh that you just keep craving and you know that it's not good, but you keep running back to it and it keeps hurting you and it keeps causing harm at your relationship with Jesus and you just wanna be set free today. Or maybe right now in your life, there is pain and there is anger over what somebody did to you and that wound is still open and it's still fresh and it hurts and you never had it healed. I'm everybody in this room, if you're able, will you hold your hands up to the Lord? I want you to pray right now Jesus, free me from whatever it is. You don't have to say it out loud. But Jesus, free me right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, free me right now in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. All demonic entities come out in the name of Jesus. Any oppression come out in the name of Jesus. Any addiction come out in the name of Jesus. Anything that is holding us back, that is not of you, Lord. Right now in the name of Jesus, I command those demons to come out in the name of Jesus. I command that addiction to come out in the name of Jesus. I command the oppression to come out in the name of Jesus. In Jesus. Name and the name of Yeshua, I pray right now, come out in Jesus' name. Those areas of our life that have held us bondage right now. Let there be freedom, come out in the name of Jesus right now. All depression, our addiction, our pornography, lying, materialism, greed, covetousness, jealousy, rage, every evil spirit, in the name of Jesus. I cast you out. I cast you out right now in Jesus' holy name. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus right now. Let there be freedom right now in Jesus' name. Come on, cry out to the Lord. Shout His holy name. Praise Him right now if you got to. But let there be freedom today. I'm no longer who I used to be. Come on, come on. Freedom. Freedom right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, the soul come on. In Jesus' name, come out. In the name of Jesus, come out. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, I cast out all depression. I cast out all lust. In the name of Jesus, I cast out these things of anxiety and stress and worry. Right now, the spirit of fear has no control over you area of your life right now in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name I want to share something with you too Well, just this week I had a dream about the future of authentic and I want to share it with you because uh, I've never had a dream like this and I saw our future building by the way God is doing supernatural things right now and I can't wait to share that with you but in this dream I had a bird's eye view of our building And if you remember, I told you that I felt the Lord is leading us to this area, not just for a beautiful building, but to change that area. It's a mission field. To tear down demonic strongholds that have been over that area for way too long. We're gonna take out the enemy's power by the blood of Jesus. And so in this dream, it's like I had a bird's eye view and I was in the sky, but I knew I was in the building, it was weird. And I saw the building and there was a light all around the building going straight to heaven. And I saw darkness around the building trying to get in, but the darkness could not touch the light. And the darkness could not get into the building. And then right before I woke up, it still hits me pretty hard. The Lord allowed me to hear what was happening inside of the building. And it was the sound of just pure worship. Pure worship. Hear voices, so many voices singing worship to a holy God, and because of that, the light was keeping the darkness completely away. And I say this, come on, can we say amen to God? And so, right now, with that being said, as we pray, I declare right now over this city in the name of Jesus, this is God's city in the name of Jesus that God is going to do supernatural things in this city. That every bondage right now, every principality that has built walls around this city, God, I pray, Lord, that the churches come together. Not just our mission, but every church in this area, God, comes together and we start fighting the enemy. By the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that those strongholds come down. God, I pray, Lord, that those walls fall, for this is God's city, this is your city, O Lord. So every demonic principality and stronghold will fall right now. By the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this, God. Lead us, Father, as you led Joshua into the promised land. Lead us into that building with a fight. For we know there is victory because of you. We know there's victory because you lead us. We know there's victory. And you have saved us. So we praise your holy name. And we thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.